0: Welcome in, everybody. Musketeer Report post-game show. Xavier beats Pittsburgh 84-73 to advance to the Sweet 16 for the first time since 2017. You guys have had some stressful games you've had to sit through recently. This one was not one of them, though. Musketeers controlled this one really from about, about seven minutes into the first half or so. They took control, and from that point on, it was really in hand. A lot of things to get to tonight. I think the first is the play of Adam Kunkel and Jack Nunji in the first half of this game. That was really what won it for them. Kunkel knocking down those five three-pointers in the first half. Him having a moment like that was fun to watch. And Jack Nungy was so good in the first half, too, really. I mean, it, we knew going in, if you read the Matchups article, that Jack Nunge was likely to have an advantage inside just because Pittsburgh is not physical at all. They don't play very good team defense inside. So it wasn't a surprise to see... Jack Nungy have a good game, but for them to exploit that early and be really focused on the offensive end and make sure they take advantage of that mismatch, I thought was impressive. We have Jerome Hunter. Once again, I thought he played really well. In fact, I think in this game, the shots he made were more impressive than the shots he hit in the first round game on Friday. Now, he he played a bigger role in the Friday game because without him early on, they would have had almost no offense. But the the offense he provided in this one, the mid-range jumper, the couple buckets he had in the post, a couple of times against a 6'11 defender, I thought he was even more impressive in terms of the types of baskets that he scored. And he's played really well now through two NCAA tournament games. We have Sule Boom to talk about. Struggled with his shot once again. Not his best outing. Now, he came through in the clutch. He made his free throws at the end. He ended up somehow with 14 points and kind of filled up the stat sheet. If you looked at his box score without the field goal attempts, you would say, meh, Sule actually had a pretty good game. But if you watched the game, you know that wasn't really the case. Uh, he's played much better for most of the season. And now the last two games, really the last three, if you want to go back to the Big East Championship game against Marquette at Madison Square Garden, he's struggled. Are you concerned about him? I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, the bench, I thought the bench played better in this one. You got some really good minutes out of Desmond Claude, which you needed from a defensive standpoint in this matchup. He played uh, over 30 minutes in this game. And then Cesar Edwards didn't play a lot, but I thought the minutes that he did play, it, it wasn't a huge issue. I mean, he had some miscues on the defensive end, one or two, but it was something that you could live with, and it, it gave you an opportunity to rest Jack Nunji a little bit more than maybe you've been able to the last few games. And then of course, we've got the Texas matchup Xavier's back in the sweet 16. They'll be taking on a Texas team that's playing really well and is really good defensively. And if you're looking at matchups, I'm not sure if you can find one that's much tougher for this Xavier team than Marcus Carr at the guard position, combo guard handles the ball a lot, but is really more of a scorer. Then he is a main ball handler, but he can shoot it from three. He can create off the pick and roll. Xavier's going to have their hands full with him. So I want to hear what you guys think about all of those things. Go ahead and load them up. I'm going to start with Paul since he's in the car. He's driving back. He's available right now. Paul, give me your thoughts. You were there in Greensboro. You saw both games. We unfortunately didn't get the chance to talk after Friday's game because uh, technology would not allow me to join your post-game spaces. But just your overall thoughts on this weekend for the Musketeers. Uh, I mean, really, if you go back to that first game, had Xavier played well at all for the first half, they probably would have won both of these games going away by double digits.
1: Yeah, I thought so. I thought there were a lot. There were a lot more positives today than there were the other day, obviously. But I think the the biggest thing for me was that it was very clear that they never took their foot off the gas. Now, did they not make a shot in the last six minutes? Did they kind of go to that stall offense? Yeah, they did. But it, it never felt like today that they let up. It, it, the other day, it felt like they got out to a big lead. They thought, uh-oh, all right, we're playing a lot better than this team. We are a lot better than this team. We're going to win this game running away Then. They get the crowd behind them, like Kennesaw State did. The Owls get the crowd behind them, and they had a big crowd anyway. Then you get all the neutrals behind you, and that never happened today, and I thought that was a big thing because Pitt traveled really well, and there were a lot of Pitt Pitt fans there, and uh, they were out of the game from from the very beginning. Now, Pitt made a run there at the end. Things got kind of interesting. They cut it down to eight, but to Xavier's credit, you know, stepped up to the free throw line. I thought, you know, to Des Claws – to Des Claude's credit, he, uh, he did some growing up today. I know he missed some free yep. throws and uh, maybe didn't have the best game. But I thought a game like that for a guy like Des Claude to, to be sent to the free throw line time and time and time again in a situation like that where you're trying to salt away a trip to the Sweet 16, that that's a kind of game that pays dividends for a guy like Des Claude down the road. Um, so I just thought overall I was really impressed with the game today. Um, I, I thought Xavier's fans were great today. I know I had a lot of people ask me about that. I thought the the environment was really good today. Um, it was a fun game. It was never a game that really gave you – it was trending really to be kind of like that Florida State game in 2017 where Xavier was up by a little bit in the second half and then that turned into one of the best, most dominating performances Xavier's put on in an NCAA tournament game. It was trending toward that direction before Pitt, you know, kind of shut Xavier down there for the last six minutes, and I don't even know how much pitch shut them down more so than Xavier just kind of went to that take the air out of the ball offense and try and and, and just run the clock out. Um, but I think you, Rick, made a really good point about Jerome Hunter because if you remember on Friday, a lot of those shots that he had on Friday, you know, like the alley oop, he had that one uh, breakaway to the rim. He had, you know, he had a he had maybe two of the eight shots that he made. Um, you know, that, that weren't just like gun contested or around the rim or whatever. But, I mean, I, today he he earned what he got, not that he didn't the other day. I, I think you can kind of read between the lines of what I'm saying here, that, you know, he as efficient yeah, as I'll, he was the other day, he, he was in the right spot at the right time the other day. Today, man, he, whether it's the mid-range or whatever it was, he had space. He took his shots and he knocked them down.
0: Yeah, he was a finisher on Friday. He took advantage of the opportunities that came his way. He was efficient in those, but he wasn't really creating his own looks or or creating points. In this game, he was taking guys to the basket, making moves. He was finishing with that little baby hook in the post. He hit that mid-range jumper when they left him open. These were shots that were him being impressive on the offensive end. So I agree. And and to your point on Desmond Claude, the five free throws are one thing for certain on the offensive end. You don't want to see that. But the other part of this is he struggled at the free throw line. He went zero for three from three point range. And yet there was never a point in this game where it looked like he was shook or like he lost his confidence. He had yes, no turnover while playing 31 minutes. And to me, that's more important than almost anything else that happened. It's like, it, you know, he, he struggled in the first game. It looked like he was a little sped up in this one. He gets off to a bad start with his shot. And then late, obviously, he had the struggles at the free throw line. But again, throughout the entire game, he looked like he was confident. He kept taking the open three-point looks that came his way. He ended up with 11 points. I thought it was a really solid effort for him. And to be quite honest, I wasn't sure how well Xavier was going to be able to match up with Pitt's perimeter scoring. And Desmond Claude allowed them to do that really well. I mean, had they given this same type of defensive effort that they did today against Pittsburgh, against Kennesaw State? That game would have never been in question. Pittsburgh is a much more dangerous team than Kennesaw State is on the offensive end, and presents more problems. The difference is Kennesaw State played with a purpose and a focus that Pitt didn't necessarily have on each end of the court, and Xavier was much better today than they were on Friday.
1: Yeah, I agree, and it's just it's funny. I've been I've been in the car here now for close to seven hours, and I don't think I've turned off maybe except for ten seconds the Westwood One channel, and I'm listening to game after game after game, which, by the way, they have been the ab- absolute opposite of uh, red zone on these games. They've been going from tip-off to tip-off, and they're turning off FDU with, like, six minutes left in this game. Anyway, nobody nobody cares here about that. Point is, I've been sitting here thinking about Xavier now for the last, like, seven hours going back and replaying this weekend in my mind, and I keep thinking back, and, and Adam Baum just wrote that article on it, to, to what this team has gone through in the last year, And I thought it was really interesting, and I don't remember who said it. I'm going to have to go back and listen to a press conference and figure it out. But somebody, one of the players said this weekend how these guys came back to this team and believed what they could do and accomplish after what they did in the NIT last year. And I thought it was really interesting that kind of unprompted that got brought up because you and I spent so much time on these spaces or on the podcast or whatever it was talking about the NIT and whether it was worth it to play in it or not. And fans had one opinion or another or whatever it might be. And I thought it was very interesting that unprompted that got brought up as to, you know, Hey, we all came back. We knew what we were capable of. We had success in the postseason last year. It wasn't the type of success we wanted because it wasn't in the NCAA tournament, but now they come back with, I mean, basically the same group of guys plus a point guard and they're in the sweet 16. They are going to be one of 16 college basketball teams Still playing for a chance to win a national championship on uh, you know this this weekend. I mean that's just it. It really is crazy to put all that in perspective. The Big East for the first time since realignment has three teams in the second weekend. And oh by the way, that doesn't even include the conference tournament and regular season champion. What what a day for the conference! What a weekend for the conference! What a weekend for Xavier! It's just it really couldn't have gone any better. Just from a from a macro point of view,
0: Paul. That's well said. So with that being said, let me say this. Load them up. We're going to take your guys' calls. I already see at least one more 5150. And Paul, I know you're driving, so it'll probably be hard for you to help with this. But if you see any that I don't see and you're able to to punch them in, give me a heads up, let me know, and and we'll get to those people as well. But also, if you're listening to this and you enjoy these shows, I want you to do me a quick favor right now. We've got uh, 150 something people listening to this, I believe, right now. I just sent out a tweet right now about a 50% off sale going on musketeerreport.com. Subscriptions to Musketeer Report enables me to do shows like this and continue covering Xavier like this. If you sign up right now, if you just give me a retweet right now, that would go a long way. I'd really appreciate it. And with that being said, let's go ahead and
2: get into your calls. All right, we'll go to Brett. Can we take a look at Andy Katz power rankings and see if Xavier in Arkansas should still be 25th and 26th back (laughs) to
3: back? Thanks. I'll hang up and listen. uh,
2: Let's talk
0: about the Andy Katz power rankings. If you don't know what we're talking about or what Brett's referring to there, Andy Katz put out a uh, graphic, I guess, after the first round, and it was power rankings of the teams still left in the tournament. And I don't even really care to get into what the rankings were. I mean, they were ridiculous. I think Pitt was like eighth or something on them, which is just absurd. But I'm just more curious about what the Slack channel conversation was like when Andy Katz sent out to the graphics department, hey, will you guys please whip me up a 32-team uh, power rankings list for the second round? It
1: well, you was know what's funny? It, that was a topic that got brought up on, on, like on the media row today in the table. Like I was sitting there, uh, we were talking about it, and somebody came up and asked me and goes, did you see that Katz power ranking? And I go, I'll be honest, I took about a 10-second look at it and saw it, and I go, he must have just ranked them based on how everybody played in their first game. That must have purely been it.
0: That's the just only- scoring margin, pure scoring margin. I think you went off, but I, I just imagine getting that text on the weekend as like one of the digital members, like, "Yeah, I need you to make a, a graphic with thirty two different teams ranked for me because I'm going to put out the dumbest ranking graphic of all time, real quick." Um, I imagine that got quite a few eye rolls. So, uh, Brett, thank you for bringing that up. I don't, I didn't see. Uh, an update to his rankings, so we will be on the lookout for Andy Cat's latest power rankings for the Sweet Sixteen. All right any anybody else want to get in here, Paul? Do you have any on your end of things? I have four people waiting. That, that's great because I don't see any of them, so this is going. I
1: wonder well. what the deal. It like I don't know why you wouldn't. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know.
0: I don't know.
4: Bring them in if you can. We have. Oh, I see. Kai. K Y. Yes.
1: All right, go ahead. KY. Okay.
4: Well, first off. I don't ever want to see another Big Ten or ACC fan try to tell me that their conference is better than the Big East after opening weekend here. That's first. And second off, I want to give a big shout-out to Xavier Nation because, I mean, they were, they were rocking the Greensboro Coliseum today. I mean, I don't know if we had more fans than Pittsburgh because their side was on the opposite side of the TV, so you couldn't see it, but it, uh, Xavier Nation was loud today.
0: Yeah, you can hear them coming yeah. through the TV. Paul, you were there. What was it like in person?
4: Yeah, they were. I will tell you one thing. If
1: Pitt had played well, it would have been – the Pit fans would have been very loud. The Pitt fans were all over. They, I, I mean, walking around through the week, they were all over the place. They traveled really, really well. But noise-wise, I mean, that's all that really matters. And it was uh, a largely Xavier crowd today, yes. Spot on. And I thought
4: today was also, like, really impressive with – uh, Kunkel and Nudge playing so well and we didn't see much from Boom for at least the first half of the game at least I think he had zero points at halftime I think so I thought it was an impressive yeah
0: I mean he didn't make he didn't make his first shot or score his first points until I think it was like the 13 minute mark or 12 minute mark of the second half yeah
4: I think that's right
1: yeah he, he missed he missed the first free throw and then he hit the second and then he kind of sort of got jump started from there
4: and my last thing here was not to look ahead, but I mean it's already Friday night. Uh does Texas match up well against us? Like I don't know much about the Big 12 teams. Like what do they look like?
0: Well, I think Texas is going to be a really difficult matchup. First of all, defensively, they're just really good. Now they're not as big as they've been in past years. They don't have that crazy Texas size and a- NBA athleticism, but the guys that they do have are very athletic and they're good defensively and they play well together as a team. And then on the offensive end, they have a couple of things that give Xavier trouble. And, and I mean, the first is the fact that they have a guard who can break you down in ball screen situations, who can shoot from the outside. You know, Marcus Carr is a volume scorer, volume shooter at around 16 points per game. That's not going to be easy. And then he's not the only shooter that they have. So Jabari Rice, Tyrese Hunter could both shoot it from the outside and they've got a big man who's really come into his own all of a sudden over the last few weeks. That's that's been playing really well. He carried them in their uh, in their second round win over Penn State. So I think it's going to be a difficult matchup. I don't say that to, to scare you or try to sour the mood after a, a really great day for Xavier fans. But any matchup you have in the Sweet 16, for the most part, is going to be difficult, and Texas is no exception.
1: Rick, do you think it's that out of the that out of the question to say that? Uh... Houston might be a better matchup than than Texas would be. I mean, Texas, to be honest, I've watched a lot of Texas. They're a nightmare.
0: Yeah, I mean, Marcus Sasser would be present a lot of the same issues, right? So I don't know yeah. that it Houston would be a big problem for Xavier too. But here's the thing. Xavier's a problem for these teams. Xavier creates matchup problems for other teams. The only difference is Xavier doesn't have the defense of a Texas or a Houston. And so yeah. that's what you're just going to have to hope that Xavier plays their a game and they uh, they catch Texas on a day where Texas isn't quite at their a game and they'll have a chance. But uh, it's it's not like Xavier is going to get blown out in this game. I don't expect that, but uh, it, it's definitely going to be a difficult matchup.
4: No,
1: the line opened three and a half. And what I will say about Texas and this goes for a bunch of those other you look at Kansas or whatever the Big 12, you know, the Big 12 was the best conference in college basketball this year. But if you look at. At the way the Big 12 went There were a lot of these Big 12 teams that put up Stinkers this year, that just had bad games Here and there um, And Texas was not invincible to that I don't have, obviously I'm driving here I don't have the schedule in front of me But I do remember that there were games this year It might have been against like Iowa State Or something earlier in the year And then uh, later in the year They they lost one to Baylor I mean, they, they've accumulated losses It's not like we're talking about a, a two-loss team here
0: Yeah, they they lost at Iowa State in uh, mid-January. They lost at Texas Tech, who was at bottom of the conference at the time uh, in mid-February. And then they lost a couple of games at the end of the year at Baylor and TCU, who are both really good, obviously. But uh, yeah, I mean, they they have compiled six losses in conference this year, so they weren't undefeated. They're not invisible by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think they have started playing their best basketball over the last two or three weeks here.
1: Yeah, I think at Bartorvik, they're like playing the third best, second or third best in the last month or something. I mean, this would be this would be a, a monumental win for Xavier just just in general. And I don't mean to say that is like a Xavier Kent win this game because I think you hit the the nail on the head with it. I think that this would be such a statement of a win for Xavier if they were to get to the Elite Eight past Texas. Oh, my goodness. I mean, could you imagine what, what that would mean to this program given, you know, I I just – it would just be phenomenal given the way Texas – I mean, there was there's a legitimate conversation that Texas could have been a one seed given the fact they won the Big 12 tournament the way they did by 20 over Kansas. I mean, th- there was a legitimate conversation on Selection Sunday whether they could have been the, the fourth number one seed, them, UCLA, one of the two, but – Texas had those eight losses so they weren't really right there on the cusp like UCLA was but you know they did win the big 12 and this would be a absolute statement of a win that again I absolutely do think Xavier can win the game but this is not you know Pitt or anybody else it's it's a game of sweet 16.
0: We have reached the point now where I think even the craziest Xavier fans are past the point of being greedy. In terms of their expectations, we have now reached the point where everyone is satisfied and it is all gravy from here on out. If you find a way to get past Texas in the Sweet 16 with this team in your first year back as Sean Miller with basically just that one transfer portal addition and Sule boom, you just can't say enough about the job they've already done. And to pull something like that off would just be really over the top, I think, for the fan base. I don't think anyone is unhappy at this point or thinks they need to do more. But if they were able to, man, it would be pretty special.
3: Well,
1: and how about that stat that Sean Miller's now, he's now won eight in a row in the round of 32. What a stat. last eight round of 32 games he's won. That's a crazy stat.
0: Yeah, although although like they (laughs) sometimes these stats are always funny because they were saying one about Izzo before where it's like um, on the short turnaround, his record is really good. Oh, right, I heard the, that. I heard but, that. But I'm like, yeah. okay, but what happens on the first days? Yeah. like, he's lost a lot of first, first day games I heard, I heard in, in recent years. So, like, I don't know. The, those stats are always kind of goofy to me well, that we're like, just, like, it's ignoring.
1: Like, it's like the Michael Jordan thing where he's, you know, he's never lost the finals, but then you go back and you at right. his first round record.
0: Yeah, exactly. He didn't get to all the finals. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. I don't, yeah. Uh, I don't love those stats personally, but, yeah, they're, they are interesting.
1: All right. I'm going to bring Doug in here. Um I I see it. I mean, there we have four more, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. I see Doug and Beans. Okay, I, there's <laughs> Doug and Beans. All right, Doug, go ahead. <laughs> hey guys, um, I missed the uh, I missed the first part of this. Did you guys already make the point about Colby and his matchups in the in Kansas City? We have not talked about Colby. No, at all no,
1: I know what you're going to say, Doug. Go ahead, lay it out. Okay.
2: Um, well, first off, I will just point out that um, there are out of the four teams that are playing in Kansas City. There is only one player who's going to be a first round draft pick in the June June NBA draft and that is Colby Jones. Oh um, How about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess Marcus Sasser could play out of his mind and work his way up there. but Colby Jones is the only man who's going to be playing in Kansas City who's probably going to be a first round draft pick at the moment. And if you look at it, so you, you got Texas, um, their best player for only only player from Texas to make the first team all big 12 was Marcus Carr play shooting guard. Houston, their best player Marcus Sasser plays shooting guard, and then Isaiah Wong is best player at Miami plays shooting guard. So, if Xavier's gonna do anything in Kansas City, they're gonna need their best player to shut down the best player on the opposing team. And from like, if you just look at it from that little narrow matchup, you, you like your chances there better than like somebody who's just a, a lights out point guard um, who's gonna be matching up with Sule Boom, I guess.
0: Yeah, and now some of the problems, like against Texas, is there are other guards who can score in their backcourt. Yeah. So you are going to need Sule to do something, but like you said, you're not asking him to match up with their go-to most dynamic scorer. Yeah,
2: and you know, the rest of the guys on some of these teams are pretty talented as well. Um, but if if you just focusing on like the key going into every game, is going to be shutting down ball screens like shutting down ball screens for Marcus Carr shutting down ball screens for Isaiah Wong or or Sasser and you like your chances if you have Colby as the guy who's defending the primary uh, ball screen guy for the opposing team as opposed to as opposed to Sule
0: yeah definitely was there anything else that jumped out to you about the matchup with Texas Uh, I
2: haven't really dove into it too deeply besides just making that initial observation but yeah I don't know what about you
0: no, I think I think that's right. I'm just mostly interested in the post matchup now because uh, is it Daisu or Disu? How do you say his last name? Dylan. I think it's Disu, but uh, Disu. Yeah, Paul I mean, yeah, he's just been he's just been killing it the last few games.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and somewhat it, it reminds me. It's like a Josh Duncan type of run. It seems like like a guy who has been around for a long time and then just plays um, like his you know, the five best games of his career are right at the end.
0: Yeah. and I mean, it's just crazy how much they're going to him. He hasn't been a volume guy throughout his career at all, really. And they are just feeding him. I think, what did he tie the record for most shot attempts in a NCLA tournament game by a Texas player, I think, or, or most field goals made something like that. I mean, yeah. whatever the stat was, it was pretty crazy in terms of his usage in that game on the offensive end. And I'm just interested to see how that matchup works now, because, you know, if Jack Nungy gets into early foul trouble or something like that, guarding a guy who's being used a lot, that will change that matchup very quickly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nunge foul trouble is the thing that worries me a ton about that game. Uh, it's just like ball screen foul trouble or, yeah, feeding into the post. You look at what he did today. He, he got into foul trouble early with offensive fouls. He had three. He had three turnovers. and I think two of them were were pretty dumb offensive fouls. Um, So he obviously got to cut those out. And then just if he's, he's got to be able to stay on the floor for 35 minutes. Um, And if if you don't do that, you're in deep trouble.
1: The one, the one thing I will say that does give me some confidence about uh, this Texas game is that it's not a 48 hour turnaround. It's a five day turnaround, you know, like this, this coaching staff has a chance to go back and spend a week on this instead of just, all right, Let's roll the ball out there in the Elite Eight, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. and I feel I feel confident that uh, Sean Miller is a superior coach to uh, Rodney Terry. Um, all respect to to Rodney Terry's record record and resume at UTEP, but you know this will be uh, this will be Sue Late Boom's second chance to basically ruin Rodney Terry's career, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so, so uh but you know so you feel you feel comfortable with uh, an advantage there to your point of having five days um for sean miller to get ready for it you feel pretty good about that
0: yeah definitely doug anything anything else you want to uh discuss here before
2: no that's all i got um paul safe travels hopefully you make it through the middle of the night here uh, i am about
1: five minutes from being home so i have at long last made it back we're good
2: okay all right. Sounds yeah. good. All yeah, right. We're good. See you guys.
0: See you, Doug. All right. Thanks for dropping in, Doug. Always appreciate hearing from you. All right. I'm going to give it a, a Beans. Oh,
1: God. Beans. See if Beans ever got his uh, hinge date from the other night.
5: Am I, am I on? Be- beans, uh, I you're on. I, I think my Wi-Fi was a little slow. Um, One thing I got to say, Paul. I'm getting a DM from Paul. I'm getting text messages. This man does not focus on the road. If there's a cop out there.
1: I'm at a red light, Beans. I'm at a red right, light. Back to the game.
5: But, I don't know. I would assume you guys already talked about all everything game management. Not game management, but everything around the game today. So, I don't want to bring that back up. But, one little fun tidbit is I did see this on Twitter that the opposing coach for Texas is Gus Salamanca. Not Salamanca. Gus free. sorry, sorry. Guthrie. So, how are we going to combat that from a coaching perspective? It, you know, does Sean White, Sean White? Oh my God, I can't talk right now. Walter, Walter White. White, Sean Miller. I'm getting the names confused. I'm kind of nervous talking talking to you guys. But what?
1: You know, that's a good that's a good point, Beans. I know where you're going with that. I don't know. I got to resurrect that tweet. I mean, I, it was all over the place. So I'm glad we were on that. But I, in, I've all, done. in
5: all in all, like seriousness, outside of joking you guys kind of touched about it with coaching. Is that going to play a role in having the extra amount of time going both ways to, um, you know, is Sean Miller going to show his, his muscles about what he can plan for a, a a game plan, whether it's offensively defensively. I mean, it looked like we were, you know, Paul, we talked about this yesterday, good ball movement, getting those open shots. Kunkel just had the, uh, you know, lights out range, just open and anywhere shooting. So I was thinking what, what is there to uh, go on Friday coaching wise?
0: Well, I think you could look at it either way. I mean, on one hand you do have the extra time and you would think Sean Miller's the better coach. So that'll just give him more time to get an even bigger advantage. But I also think going back to what we were talking about with Tom Izzo, a lot of times, these the the best coaches seem to be really good on those quick turnarounds so i don't know maybe the uh the extra time for rodney terry is an advantage but here's the question i'd really like to know now that you're bringing up the breaking bad stuff what character would you assign to sean miller from breaking bad oh that's a good question
5: Uh, that's a good question i'm gonna have to stew on that well i mean he's sorry paul he's the leader of you know of xavier so he's Kinda has to be Walter White, right? Ah, uh, no. But he's not a he's not a villain. That's the only. Issue.
1: No, Walter was a villain. No, yeah. he wouldn't be. He wouldn't be. Maybe we'll get input from people through the night here.
5: Gene? No, that Tunco? guy. No, we don't want to go with Gene. I don't know. No. No.
0: I mean, like appearance-wise, I feel like he's kind of a Tuco. Rough you up a little bit. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I'm gonna have to think on that one, Beans.
5: All right, all right, all right. Well, thank you. It was a great game. I'm happy. It was a great I know game. you guys mentioned that even the crazy fans can now be satisfied. I was satisfied with one win in the tournament. Just getting back yeah. to the tournament, I think shows we have the right steps going forward. And even today, like it looked like Dez kind of calmed down. I don't know. I'm I, I'm now no coach or professional basketball player, but it looked you know the freshman jitters maybe got him the first first game but it looks like he kind of calmed down found found himself again getting to the getting to the hole making some layups getting that confidence up so hopefully that uh translates to next weekend as well
0: yeah definitely I mean I think most fans realize that this season has been above and beyond expectations and it's been nothing but greatness but you always see those like ridiculous tweets out there sometimes even towards the end of the year when things are going really well and Xavier's in line for a protected seed where people are still upset with them dropping a game or not playing as well as they should ever whatever have you. And I think even those people today have realized that, damn, this season went way better than anyone could have ever imagined. Oh coming yeah. In.
5: Fantastic ride. Um, but all I got to say is and I'll log off here. The memes are coming. I am this whole week. I'm not working. I'm just building memes. So if anyone got has meme ideas, send them my way. I will make it and, you guys can tweet it out. So it's a me- full week we're moving the Longhorns to death.
0: All right. So we want to know from callers now, which Breaking Bad character would you assign to Sean Miller? And there was also another question that I want to ask you about that came up today. We had brought up the idea of a chartered flight to Kansas City for the Sweet 16, a Musketeer Report chartered flight. So I'd also like to know, for those of you who are on the message board and a part of the greatest Xavier basketball community online, which Musketeer report poster would you most want to sit next to for a flight to Kansas City on this charter? Mm. Paul any answers?
5: Oh, that's a good one. That's a good question. Um, is, is doc is Doc Rock? I gotta meet Doc Rock. this guy. Doc Rock is in here.
0: Yeah, I think the question is, has Doc Rock taken his little blue pill before he got on the flight or not? because <laughs> You might not want to be on. It might turn into a Larry Davis from Cincinnati situation. All right, you know? fair,
5: fair, good point, good point.
0: All right, uh, Paul, do you have any other callers? Call.
5: Yeah, I got a. We I... got a bunch here.
1: In fact, I have okay. one right. here. I just got home, so I I may be kind of in and out here for the next uh,
6: twenty minutes. Okay, uh, Breaking Bad. Fr- it's that's easy. Sean Miller is Gus. Absolutely, Gus. I mean, yeah, except Gus, Rodney though.
1: Terry is literally Gus. So we, that knocked it out. Yeah,
6: there you go. First of all, guys, <laughs> hey I'm just completely ignoring us. I love him. Hey, are you, God bless are you him. ready? Yeah. We're ready. Right. First of yeah. all, we gotta we gotta compliment you media guys. The guys from Xavier are the best in the country. If there was a final four of media guys, Adam, yes, Rick, yes. Paul, yes can i get an amen amen everybody click it up brother okay we're playing with house money you guys <laughs> we are definitely playing with house money you know i'm looking at this team and i'm and and the, and the doctor's thinking what's our strength oh is it this uh uh lottery pick or is this uh, point guard or oh is this seven foot you know what it is six guys in double figures We're like an octopus, man. We got so many weapons. That's what makes us so good. It's not any one guy. It's that combination of having a great coach, guys that are listening to him, share the ball, and they're all good. It's just, it is a wonderful formula for a Sweet 16 team. Okay, let's talk about this for just a second. The Big Ten had eight entries. I might be wrong. There might have been nine. I'm thinking eight. Two are, um, and I think two are going to the Sweet 16. The Big East had five, and we got three. But wait, all we ever hear about is how great the Big Ten is. I mean, you know, come on. let us If you're so great, win in March. Okay?
0: Doc, what would be your conference rankings? Give me your top three.
6: I would say we got to go with the Big 12 then uh, it depends on the year, uh, the ACC or the Big East.
0: This year, this year. This year. This year,
6: probably the Big 12, and I'd say Big East than the SEC.
0: Okay. What do you think? Fair Are enough. You right there with me? Yeah. I think that's right. I mean, I'd probably have the Big 10 in there somewhere, but who cares, right? Yeah.
6: Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I know everybody's down on Suley. Suley is a shooter, man. He's a shooter (laughs) what do shooters do they (laughs) can shoot he's going and all great shooters are streaky he's it's like it's like home run hitters they strike out they strike out three or four games in a row then the next game they four home runs next game (laughs) you're hearing it for you're hearing it from the doctor against texas suley is going for 25 points you watch it you watch put it put write it down okay this game, we're talking about how, how bad he did. He had 14 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, and a turnover. And people are acting like he was a terrible player. That drives me nuts.
0: Well, I, look, I'll, I'll give you the fact that the stat line, when you look at it, is not bad at all. I mean, he finished off the game, ended up filling out the box score with rebounds, assists, and you know made those free throws at the end, so his point total didn't look that bad. But, Doc, I mean, I think we can all admit... He has not been playing well in the offensive end. He has not been shooting well. And for the last three games, which were all high leverage games, it's a little concerning to not have your best player looking like himself, is it not?
6: Well, Let, let me compare it. What am so I. To a baseball?
0: I'd avoid the baseball metaphor no, this no, time. I'm about. not
6: talking in baseball. Way. I'm talking about my ex
0: wife. Okay. Uh, oh, so no, this will be good.
6: Yeah. My, my ex wife used to. Give me all this information that was true and facts, but I didn't like it. So I would put my fingers in my ears and I'd shake my head and stick my tongue out. So that's what I'm doing to you right now. I don't care if it's true. I love Suli. So that's just it. That's, all right, it. that's okay. fair enough. Here, well, one other thing, man, when Des and Colby and Rome are on the court all at the same time with Jack protecting the rim. That's a pretty serious defense for a freshman. Des, I can't remember a freshman playing defense as well as he did. It uh, does.
0: He was good today. And, and by the way, is it just me or is Jack Nungi protecting the rim at a little bit higher of a level all yeah. of a sudden the last two yes.
6: games? Yes, he is. It
0: seems like he's been a little more active when it comes to trying to block shots or at least make guys think and and just having an overall presence around the basket. I Maybe I'm uh, seeing things, but it, that's what it seemed like to me. I don't really Ed, have any numbers Edwards to back that up.
6: Didn't Edwards get a block today? I thought he had one.
0: Uh, Did Edwards have a block today?
6: Yeah, he did. I'm sure he did. Yeah, yeah he did.
0: He did have one, Doc. Yeah,
6: yeah. okay. Well, uh i'm just the happiest camper in town man you know but i got one question for you experts okay we we played our game and we got up 20 and i don't know how much time I almost say seven minutes were left and so it was like well let's slow it down and i thought what's miller going to do is he going to keep playing the way we've been playing because it's working or is he going to do that slow it down thing? And it looked to me like he kind of landed in between the two. Is that about right? He didn't slow the game down, really slow it down, but he didn't push it like we always push it.
0: Well, I mean, the guys made it pretty easy on him. They didn't make any shots. So uh, <laughs> it, it kind of became slowed down by uh, yeah. by force. I mean, yeah. you didn't really have a choice at a certain point. You just weren't scoring at all. And had they been just knocking down shots, then I think you keep just pouring it on them and go up by 25 or 30. But – uh, yeah, it was a weird finish to the game, but I, 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 Sean Miller said it best. You know, he's like, maybe it was just the, the pressure of being on the verge of getting to a sweet 16. But also, this is how these types of games go. If you've watched the tournament all weekend, teams make comebacks. They don't lose by 15 or 20 very often in the tournament, especially if you're talking about two teams that finished in the top three or four of the respective high major conferences. I mean, I don't think Pitt is a great team by any stretch of the imagination, but they are dangerous, and Xavier played much better than they did in the first half. You knew they were going to even that out somewhat in the second half at some point. They did a little bit down the stretch, but it wasn't nearly enough. There was never a point in that game where you thought, oh, this isn't looking good, like Xavier might be in trouble here. Xavier was in control the entire time.
6: Yeah, yeah. Okay, before I get out of here, I'm sitting in the uh, seat next to me with Cap. That's who I'm sitting with.
0: Oh, on the flight you're talking about. Yeah,
6: I got you. Got to sit with Cap because we got to talk about TNT, you know.
0: the Like the TV station or? No, no, that? man. The,
6: the, the, the alumni game we're going to have this summer where we're going to have. Oh,
0: TBT. That's TBT. The basketball. Uh,
6: yeah. Well, yeah. man, I'm 75 years old. Okay, well, I, I got
0: you. But you understand how it's a little confusing when, you know, the, the NCAA tournament is on TNT, the TV station right now. you hear <laughs> where I'm coming from here.
6: I confuse myself, man. I got you. That's doc. Nice. Hey, Have a good one, bros. You,
0: you too. Uh, appreciate that, doc. Um, I see that there are five requests to speak, but I can't get to any of you. I can get to Jerome Hunter Fan Club right now. So I will bring Jerome Hunter Fan Club in. If you're out there and you want to request in, please do. I'm also uh, looking for Paul to see what he's up to, see if he's coming back to get some of you other guys in. Jerome Hunter Fan Club, what's going on?
7: first and foremost all thanks and praise to our lord and savior drum hunter so i'll go ahead and answer the couple of questions first before i get into everything um first i have not watched breaking bad so if you want to crucify me please do so i'm sorry um it's hard to watch television when all i focus on is drum hunter um but i would pick character wise i would pick sean miller as a great um replacement for moses leading his uh, people to the promised land um i think that he'd be pretty
0: good at that um second question oh from that hit book the bible yeah. i remember it i yeah, don't yes. know if you
7: ever read that one it's pretty big it's a number one bestseller you know, it's one of the classics but um and then um who would i sit on the plane with it's it's easily dr rock easily you you like you know people are like oh i mean i wish i had you know a little entertainment on the plane you know i wish i had direct tv you know blah 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 this blah 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 that like dr rock would be your entertainment he's got to have stories like on stories on stories on stories that's sign me up I'll be middle seat, and, and, and
0: doesn't he'll make them up? Yeah, I mean Doc lies about half yeah. of this crap. But who
7: cares? It's entertaining. I, I don't.
0: Yeah, we let him. Yeah, he sign me up middle
7: seat. You know, layover, no snacks. As long as he's there, I'm good. I get it.
0: I mean, Doc is. Uh, I mean, he's an insane human being, but we love him. I mean, hey, he he's got
7: a connection to us, so we probably all share that little weird brain. So let's just get this out of the way. Jerome Hunter, I mean, owns March Madness. He owns it. If you went on like the Ohio department of commerce, like page or whatever, and you looked up like March madness, LLC it would say owner Jerome Hunter. Cause he is him. And the kid is balling. Like he's never balled before.
0: Yeah. Can you do that? Like, um, that, like I, I remember when I was working at channel 12's newsroom, I was always going on like Hamilton County auditor to see who owned certain properties and things that we were writing about. Can you do that with the NCAA tournament? Like go to the, I, I don't know where it's based out of, but just go to the auditor and see who owns it. And, like it's like Wikipedia, we could put Jerome Hunter's name in there. Well, we can we can figure that out.
7: Hey, like like being said, this is a big content week. This is a big content week.
0: Oh, are are you going you, should we expect content from Jerome Hunter's family? Well, let's,
7: let's well, I will say this. I don't don't pencil me down on anything because for whatever reason I seem to find myself late at night listening to Jerome Hunter highlights like I was two AM last night, which I don't not complain about. It's just you know, a brother needs his sleep sometimes. And considering we do have a
0: late game Friday. You know. Is that right, 9.30? Yep. I just saw someone tweet that. Is that
7: yeah, true? Yeah, uh tweeted yeah. out, we are the last game Friday on CBS with Rafferty and Nance on the call. So, oh. someone, someone called that big time. Yeah,
0: well, that's going to be awesome. Yeah,
7: but, but yeah, I mean, Jerome is playing lights out. I think your comment earlier about the difference in the points he was scoring between the game against uh, Kennesaw State and today's game against Pitt, you know, I think They're interesting. I think it's also just shows you signs of that, you know, he is able to create his own shots and he's getting, he has this confidence on those mid range shots that are just like bonkers that he's able to hit, you know, no backboard, no rim, no nothing, just nothing but net. And he's got, I mean, he's for sure got the confidence now of like a thousand Tigers because the boys playing out there as if there's nothing going to stop him on the
0: safari. So, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, seriously though. I mean, back in December, maybe even January, we're praising Jerome Hunter not because of his production but because of his discipline in not taking shots. I mean, he wasn't even looking at the basket, and we were happy about that because it's like, hey, it shows that he's bought into a role. He's doing what's asked of them, uh, asked of him, and he was an upgrade just by not even looking at the basket, but, but going in a dribble handoff, setting up his teammates, then crashing the offensive glass, getting a stick back or a dump off if it appeared for him. If he was in the right place at the right time. But we weren't talking about Jerome Hunter having confidence on the offensive end. We weren't even worried about that. No one even wanted that. And now we're here talking about Xavier being in the Sweet 16 because Jerome Hunter just played his ass off in back to back games in the NCAA tournament and was a major factor on the offensive end in both games. And to your point, today he showed a lot of confidence in how he was doing that.
7: Yeah. And, you know, and I think, you can look back at the the numerous interviews he's done. You know, it sounds easily that, you know, when Sean Miller came to the program, he gave Jerome and the rest of the coaching staff gave him a clean slate, said, you know, just do what you do. We have a plan for you, and you follow that plan, and then we'll just see where it goes from there. And, I mean, it's it's very obvious that he is a A-plus follower of the Moses Sean Miller because he's doing what he wants him to do. And, I mean, I think it's the clearest case of that, you know, Sean Miller knows ball because, I mean, Jerome Hunter's gone from a guy who, you know, was literally getting booed off the court last year to now literally, you know, I mean, he's becoming a national icon, in all honesty, right? Like, Christ, Chuck Chuck and Kenny are talking about Jerome Hunter. Who would have thought of that?
0: (laughs) I mean, that's got to be a surreal moment for you.
7: Well, the surreal moment was him mentioning my name yesterday, but I don't like to get that, you know, twisted. So thanks to Paul for that, but that was a little wild.
0: Well, what is that like when Jerome Hunter is acknowledging your Twitter account in Push Game Interviews?
7: well, it, in all honesty, like you could be like, oh, I'm like, I'm happy I'm popular. I'm just happy that, like, he's because the, the, I was thinking about this, like, in all honesty, and this is no offense to anyone else or anything, there's not really any other player that gets the constant support than what I do for Jerome. And it's simple as that. I mean, I'm just A plus in fan support, you know? And That's so the, the idea that not only is he playing good, but then he's just getting so much love outside just makes me happy,
0: I guess well, is I mean- the best way to put it. Your concept for the Twitter account at the time, I mean, you started it last year when the guy was like getting booed and getting crushed online everywhere you looked, right? I mean, the, the idea yes. was to give a little support for a guy that was in a tough spot in terms of his social media accounts. And now, now there's nothing but love for the guy everywhere. Correct. It's a, I mean, it's a grassroots movement. I, I'd say your work is done. I, I mean, I wouldn't tell you to stop, but you've done a good job. Well, I mean – National championship. I mean,
7: job's not finished, brother. Like, we got to (laughs) go.
0: All right, I hear you. Anything else?
7: I so my. I think you kind of already answered this for me, but I think, you know, I've had this discussion that I think obviously Sule Boom has not been playing nowhere near um, the level A that he's shown that he can through this year, but also where we kind of expect him. My question is, obviously, we've still been able to pull out wins and it doesn't matter how close they are because it's March. But I would assume from what you've talked about and Paul's talked about, that it's just not sustainable to keep Suley at this level of production for the next games going forward if we expect to win, I would assume.
0: Uh, That's my feeling. I mean, look, anything's possible. It's the NCAA tournament, and with the way Colby Jones and Jack Nungey and, heck, your your guy Jerome Hunter right now, Adam Kunkel, the way they can score, it's not like you can't survive a night without Suley Boom scoring 20 points in a game. So I don't know that that's the concern as much. It's just... He's a big part of what you've done, and you're going to continue to give him shots. It just feels like it'd be a lot better for everyone in terms of the team's confidence and the overall flow of the offense if he wasn't struggling so much. And then you get into this weird spot of like, do you need to start taking away some of his shots and and feeding some other guys who have the hot hand a little bit more and, and change what got you here? I don't think you want to get to that point, especially this deep into the tournament run. So you hope he just breaks out of it here in the next game.
7: You know, and I absolutely agree with you. And I don't think that it's obviously like you're, it's smart, right? Anything can happen. He doesn't necessarily be on top of this game. But you know, I also believe in the fact that you know we might not get these perfect performances from everyone else on the team, and you know everything will revert back to the average. And then it's just to the question of will does Sule revert back to his average of you know being the star player on that team? And It doesn't necessarily concern me. It's just more of like the worst case of scenario of if everything starts to go bad. Will he be the one that actually is able to do better than how he's been doing? So that's just me thinking, but I think it's obviously clear that it might not necessarily be sustainable at the rate we're going,
0: but who knows? No, I think that's the point. That's the point right there, is that what happens if those other guys aren't playing well offensively? What happens if Xavier's really in a bad spot? You saw it against Kennesaw State a little bit, but everybody got it rolling in the second half, and you were just overmatching that opponent, so it didn't really matter as much. Today, everyone else played well. What happens if you get into a spot against this Texas defense that's really good, where you're going three or four, maybe longer, without scoring? Can Sule Boom get you going like he's been able to all year? I think that is the concern after watching the last two games. Is his confidence shaken? Is it something about the bright lights of the tournament? Is it something about these big neutral site gyms? I don't know. Uh, but I, I just, I, that would be the only slight concern I think is if Xavier gets to a tough spot offensively, if Sule boom, just doesn't have the confidence for whatever, whatever, reason.
7: Yep. Yep. I absolutely agree. So I'll go ahead and end it there. Um, thanks for all the support, everyone. Thank you, Paul, for setting up Jerome on that question tomorrow that probably made my life, but that's a different discussion for a different day. Shout out to the students that showed up for the team arriving back on the bus. I just, we got, we got a week to prepare for Texas horns down, baby. Wear your ex gear. Be proud of who we are. Get everyone in this. We need everyone Friday night, late Friday night. You already know Friday night SmackDown, Friday night Jerome Down.
0: Let's go. Jerome Hunter fan club. There it is. All right, I see a couple people still in here. Moore, we'll try him again. Also, uh, Ryan, we're going to go to Ryan first. I,
1: I have eight I have eight people in here, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, thank you. I can't, okay. I can't see any of them except for Ryan or Moore right now.
3: Uh, so we'll get to those other people that Paul has as well. Ryan, you're in. What's going on? Yeah, I was curious because uh, I was hearing about the Sule stuff, and and to be honest, I don't think is, I'm as concerned as a lot of people are. I think – one of the big things I've seen from Sule is his ability to let the game come to him. I think a lot of times throughout the year, and I don't have the stat sheets maybe to back me up, but I feel like there's a lot of games where Sule is at, you know, at two or four points at halftime, and he ends the game with 14, 16, 18 points. And I, yeah, and I think that even today, he only, even with zero points in the first half, he only forced, I think, maybe one shot in that first half. so. I eventually one of these games and hopefully it's against Texas because that might be you know you got to win it but hopefully that he sees that first shot go in and all of a sudden the floodgates open and he's and he's right back in it and I think just making sure that he doesn't force anything is his biggest key like keeping the game coming to him Um, other than that what gives me hope for Texas and is maybe be talking myself into it is Xavier seems to play best when the best teams in front of them. I think this, this Xavier team has had a really high ceiling and also some low floors. We kind of state, you avoided losing with your low four game. Uh, I mean, you yep. beat UConn when they were number two in the country and everyone was talking about them being a national champion. You, you hung in with Marquette. Uh, you, you know, I think, when the, when this Xavier team faces really good teams, they play at a higher level. And I think that gives me the most hope for going into this Texas game.
0: No, I, I think you said that perfectly. I agree. It seems like the bigger the games have been, Xavier has played their best basketball. And then they can play down to their competition too. There's no question about that. But I would agree with you. If I'm a Xavier fan, I'm going into the Texas game confident because one, you have Sean Miller, And two, this team has showed up to play in those big games, and I think that alone gives you a chance. To your point about Sule Boom, by the way, if I just read you his his stat line from today, he finishes with 14 points, seven rebounds, five assists, one turnover, two steals, and 37 minutes of play. Is anybody looking at that and saying that's a bad game? And no, I mean, he, you're right. He does come around in the second half and and make plays and, and end up finding points. I mean, he had no points at halftime today. He was 0 for 6 from the field. In the second half, he still didn't shoot well. He was 1 for 4 from three-point range. He was 3 for 7 from the field. But he ended up with 14 points because he went 7 of 8 at the free throw line. He made the clutch free throws at the end after Claude was struggling a little bit. He had six rebounds in the second half. The guy definitely shows up at the end of games. There's no question about it, Ryan. I I completely agree with you there. Ryan, you got anything else? Yeah,
3: I was saying uh, the only thing that makes me a little nervous uh, was I think the Xavier team. If you make their first couple of shots, and I I noticed it the most with Kunkel, Kunkel is three times of a better player when his first three of the night goes in. He's more energetic, he's moving around better, he's getting steals, everything is better when that first shot goes in. And I think with some of the Texas defense, they they really got to avoid some of the slumps in the other areas, because there's going to be a three or four minute stretch in that game where stuff just isn't going to fall, and then They got to keep their heads in it and and do keep the energy up in the other areas of the game when you get to that stretch where the shot might not be coming because of the Texas defense.
0: Yeah, I get the sense too, Ryan that Kunkel is a savvy player, high IQ guy that understands the game plan, understands what he sees on film and knows when the matchup is going to suit him. Like today, Pitt isn't a great defensive team. They're not very focused to game plan, scouting report, that type of thing. I have a feeling Kunkel came into get today's game with a lot of confidence, knowing he was going to get some early looks. Because you're right, he was slinging that thing early with a lot of confidence. And when they went down, it just built on itself, and he ended up with five threes in the first half. So I could see that being the case a little bit too when it comes to some of Kunkel's hot performances.
3: Awesome. Yeah, that was all my takes for today and and what I'm looking forward to for this week. So, thank you guys for hosting this. Appreciate it.
0: Ryan, appreciate you jumping on. Good stuff. Paul, do you have anybody else lined up? Because I have no other callers at the moment. Yeah, I got five more people in here. All right, roll through. Whoever you want.
1: All right. This looks like
8: the butter. Yeah. Butter, go ahead. I got two questions. I know you haven't really done the deep dive on Texas, but... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I mean, explain yourself. My last name is Butterfield. Oh okay. yeah, <laughs> not that big of an explanation. Continue. Sorry to disappoint.
0: <laughs> no, that's fine. I just, I, I mean, you can't come in with that type of entrance and just, not yeah. yeah. <laughs>
8: well, I've, big question on Texas is, don't you think it'd be better for Jerome to guard Disu, just so Jack doesn't have to follow him around because he goes around the whole perimeter, and we don't want him in foul trouble like we saw against that at Creighton. I know you had said haven't done a deep dive, but Jerome's obviously our best defender and most athletic guy. So I just thought that'd be a better game plan or whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, and then and then in that case, you're probably looking at putting. I mean, the problem there is they don't really have like a, a big big lineup. A lot of times they're playing smaller, so you're probably then asking Nunji to guard like Timmy Allen, who's six six. Maybe or uh, I mean yeah, I
8: think if him. More I,
0: I don't. Brock Cunningham
8: I, more than a shooter. Am I wrong on that? Just when I've watched him.
0: Yeah, yes, he is. Um, but I just I, maybe. I mean that that very well may be what they do. And and like you said, I think Jerome is probably a more agile, mobile defender. He doesn't quite have the length to challenge D'Sou inside, so that might be a concern. But uh, he can also eat up some fouls, and you're probably not as worried about him getting in foul trouble as you are about Jack Nungy. So that'll all be more later in the week stuff as I look a little bit more at Texas on tape and and see how they like to play. Um, But that's a good thought. You might be right about that.
8: And then going off that, my question like the defense. I just don't understand. (laughs) Like, why is it so different sometimes? Like, you'll get like the DePaul game or like the first 30 minutes of Kennesaw State. And then you'll get like the Creighton game or like the last 10 minutes of Kennesaw State. Like, what's the big difference there? Where is it just like effort or is it just like yeah. what? I just don't understand why it's so hard for us to stop guys from getting to the rim. And then we'll give up six points in a 10 minute span.
0: It, it's a really good question. And sometimes it's inexplicable. Looking at the Kennesaw State game, the sense I got was they got out to that seven point lead early. It was like nine to two. And then it, it continued from there for another minute or so where they were kind of ahead by, I think seven and nine that whole time. And then after that, also sudden, you notice Xavier got really sloppy defensively and Sule always struggles defensively. He was as bad as he's ever been in that first half. And people were like talking about the ball screen coverages. The ball screen coverage wasn't really the issue. Sule was going underneath every screen and getting back in front of them. And then he couldn't stop him for like the five feet from the lane to the basket that he had to guard him for. He'd he'd get beat again off the dribble. It's like, it was incredible. And then Colby Jones, that was about as bad of a half as I've seen him have in terms of just like overrunning closeouts, not being locked into assignments, stuff that you really never see from Colby. Uh, He really didn't play well at all in that first half against Kennesaw State. And then as soon as Xavier turned it on uh, the final 10 minutes, it was game over i mean kennesaw state had no chance and you're right i mean if if they had just played similar to the way they played against creighton or similar to the way they played today against pitt against kennesaw state that game would have been a blowout it's it's amazing how big of a difference this team can have from game to game on the defensive end and and a lot of it i think does come down to sometimes it's matchup but a lot of times how locked in and focused into details and all of that are they
8: yeah it's just it just really frustrates me when it's so good sometimes because like S- Sam Fassini, he had a tweet about during the Kansas State games like it's not so much you don't worry about X's offense but once X starts getting stops they're gonna go on a run so yeah. you have to like keep scoring with them. It's just I wish we got those stops more consistently, you know.
0: Yeah, and I mean the the funny thing about that first half of the Kennesaw State game is I think Xavier ended up scoring like thirty six points. I believe, which doesn't seem that bad. Um, But when you looked at like the points per possession numbers, they were right around one or right under one in the first half. And so was Kennesaw state was above, obviously. And in the second half, it was like Xavier was 1.2 points per possession on the offensive end. And uh, they held Kennesaw state to like 0.8 on the defensive end. And coming into the game, that's what I expected it to be pretty much for the the entire game. Uh, I thought Xavier was really going to to have their way with them, just the way the, the matchups looked on paper. But... That's what happens if they don't show up. They can lose to just about anybody because they they are a team with flaws and defensively they they really struggle sometimes. Yeah. All Appreciate right, it. butter. You got anything else? No, that was all. Appreciate it. All right, in Again, I like I like seeing that name. <laughs> I like your takes. We'll do. All right. All right. I'll keep it rolling here, Rick. Right. Thank you. You got it. Southern yeah. Muskie. What's hey, up? Hey,
9: what's up, guys? Um, so. Three comments, two questions. One's not Xavier-related, but Biggie-related. So, Sean Miller and uh, TV show characters. Um, I'm going to actually step out of bounds and say he's more like Jed Bartlett uh, from the West Wing. You know, effective leader, popular, probably goes to Bellarmine Chapel, yells at God after his players take bad shots and all that, asking them, why do you do this to me? (laughs) Um, For anybody who gets that reference.
0: West Wing is actually my favorite show of all time.
9: So, do you know the scene that I'm talking about with that, right? I know exactly what you're talking about. I picture him walking into Bellerin Chapel, just handsome there, yelling, Uh, just doing all that. I will
0: say this while I love and appreciate the reference, I have never once thought about Sean Miller as Chet Bartlett in my entire (laughs) life. I I just, uh, Sean and his uh, pattern of speaking, I just, I I cannot get with Chet Bartlett on that at all. (laughs)
9: I'm sorry. Uh, it's all good. I Well, I ran out of options with Breaking Bad characters. Um, yeah, that's fair. It was pretty limited. The, uh, the Musketeer Report plane, um, I would totally buy a plane ticket, drive up from Nashville, buy a plane ticket, fly from Cincinnati to Kansas City. Might be the best flight of my life. Might be the most terrifying flight of my life, but you know what? Be worth it. Um,
0: Who would you want to sit next
9: to pick? Okay. <laughs> no one's picked him. So I feel bad. So I'd. <laughs> like why not
0: <laughs> yeah i mean that is that is really doing charity work quite honestly
9: <laughs> you're welcome savior nation <laughs> so one other one final comment i do really like how and this is credits adam Baum was promoting sudley boone's mom come into the game and i tweeted out earlier today that The wives and the moms of Xavier players, they're just good luck charm. She had Zule Boom's mom there. You had Jack Jack Nungji's wife there, even though she didn't get promoted on CBS. She was still shown after a highlight of Jack. And you know what? It's good luck charm. We got to keep promoting that as much as we can. Um, That being said, two questions. So Colby Jones, it's been interesting this tournament with him. Because the first game was kind of meh double points sure but foul trouble and then today he was the second lowest score behind Claude but had <laughs> defensive rebounding was out of his mind I don't know what do you yeah. think about his overall play right now in the tournament um you know do you think I, I guess that's really just the question at that point what do you think overall about him
0: Yeah, I mean, if we're talking like from an NBA draft perspective, is he doing a lot to impress people? I think today he showed off some of the versatility and the ability to fill a box score, but he has done nothing yet in the tournament that would have wowed anybody or that would have increased his draft stock. I don't think he's still waiting for that type of performance and Texas would be a great opportunity to do it. It's it's against Mm -hmm. big time athletes. It's against a team that, you know, everyone knows is, is talented and it has good metrics and it's a game that in the sweet 16, everyone's going to have their eyes on. So if he can come through with one of those performances, it'd obviously be huge for Xavier, but it'd also be huge for him in terms of making money in the upcoming draft. And, you know, I think he is a first rounder at this point. I think he's shown enough to be there and uh, probably we put too much stock into the NCAA tournament performances, but there's a reason we do that because so do NBA GM sometimes. And that is one of the good storylines still out there for Xavier is will Colby have that performance that kind of pushes him over the top and and bumps him up another notch in terms of his draft prospects. And obviously that could lift Xavier to new heights as well.
9: Awesome. Final question. This is actually not Xavier related, but this is coaching carousel within the Big East. So Patino offered a job for St. John's. Don't know if he's going to accept it or not. And then now we've got drama that's picked up between Providence and Georgetown with that Cooley, him, potentially, he met with Georgetown, I, I guess, tonight per reports, decision come tomorrow. What are, you, what are your overall thoughts about those, I guess, three, technically, um, teams, specifically those two openings, Bettino going to St. John's and then Cooley going to Georgetown?
0: Well, overall, it's good for the league. Any way you slice it, I think it's good for the league. Because St. John's and Georgetown are definitely getting better. There's no way they won't get better if they make those hires. So if it happens, I think it's good for the league overall. You obviously need Providence to replace Ed Cooley, and that's not going to be easy because it's not an easy place to win necessarily, and he has done a fantastic job there. So those are going to be big shoes to fill if he does leave. Uh, But I think it's more beneficial for the conference to have St. John's and Georgetown back in a respectable place than it is to have Providence doing what they've done under Ed Cooley the last several years. So that would be my first thought. The second thing is, if Rick Pitino comes into this conference, the quality of coaches in this conference and just the names even at this point, when you factor in a guy like Thad Mata, who, let's be honest, who knows where he really is at in terms of coaching competence at this point, but in terms of like people knowing who he is and being a big name, the Big East is loaded up all of a sudden. I mean, you really have some some good coaches and some big names in this conference, and and who knows who Providence might go out there and get. You'd think it'd be more of an up and comer, but maybe there's someone out there. Maybe there's a name out there lurking that they would add too.
9: One final uh, one follow up question to that: Who would actually take Providence? Do you think? I know there's going to be some openings, you know, or I shouldn't say openings, but I know there's going to be intrigue in terms of name. Who do you think would? At the Top of your head um, would be a really good fit for Providence at that point. I think Rick Patino would be a good <laughs> fit at Providence.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. Is there a will- world where he's slow playing this to get back to Providence?
0: I don't think so. Do you?
1: I, I, think, do. He won- I
0: think he wants St. John's.
1: I think he wants St. John's, but if, he, if something fell through with St. John's or if he didn't like the facilities – I've heard that there has been, you know, look, I, I'm here. Well, I'm sure of- he
0: doesn't like the facilities. You saw that broom room that they uh, call a locker room.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I'm talking about, you know, a Madison Square Garden deal. If if that doesn't get re-upped or, you know, anything like that, because I'm sure he would prioritize being able to play in Madison Square Garden. So, you know, all those kinds of things, if those don't happen and Cooley goes to Georgetown. I mean, I'm I'm just saying it wouldn't be totally out of the question for, slick Rick to end up back in Providence. Wow. That'd be interesting. And I'm then St. John's I'm is just say- screwed. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that that's something that's necessarily on the table. And I, yes, you're right on on the St. John's perspective. I think there is, I don't want to say it's a slam dunk at St. John's, but from the vibe I have gotten from everybody I have talked to, it's as close to being a slam dunk as it has without the ink actually hitting the paper. But there is a very small part of me where if we get to, uh, monday afternoon at five o'clock and ed cooley has decided to take the georgetown job and and patino doesn't end up staying it or you know he doesn't finalize a deal with saint john's which we all expect him to i wouldn't be sh- I, I, let's put it this way rick patino will be in the big east it just kind of depends on where
0: what do you think about ed cooley to georgetown for, from a georgetown perspective
1: I think it's a good hire. I think uh, – I guess the question is, do you go to Ed Cooley or do you go to Micah Shrewsbury? And I I would think Ed Cooley would be a good hire at Georgetown. He's got the – you know, at Georgetown is one of those jobs now, especially with, with uh, the way it's been the last few years. We're having a guy like Ed Cooley in there. You know, Patrick Ewing was a personable guy, but – So I mean, Ed Cooley, you talk about building up equity with the media and getting people to be on your side. Look at what he's done the last two or three weeks. I mean, this has not been handled publicly in the way that a lot of coaching searches would be handled. I mean, this has been extremely public. And to be quite honest, Rick, it might be tough for Ed to go back to Providence at this point. I'm not saying they wouldn't take him in a heartbeat, but man, he is really just, It's it's been a little weird how he's played this out. It's been very weird how he's played the whole thing out. And that was why I tweeted that last night or two nights ago after the Providence game was all week. Ed was getting it kept getting asked, kept getting asked, kept getting asked. And whether it was press conferences, whether it was one on ones, whatever it was, he was just bombarded all week with questions, which is a bizarre scene when your team is still playing in the tournament. I mean, say what you want about Chris Mack and going to Louisville, but he was never asked anything publicly before Xavier lost, and then he took the job. I mean, right? Ed was Ed was getting asked all week by national reporters. You know, are you? Have there been any discussions with other schools? what? And he kept, you know, to his credit, kept deflecting, kept deflecting, kept saying no. Next question. Next question. And then at the very end, and this is what I tweeted out he got off the podium and then he went back in front of the locker room and I was just standing there kind of milling about, there was still some, some biggies people standing there that I was talking to. And then I was just listening in casually. I didn't ask any questions and Kevin McNamara asked him one more time, basically the same question, just pressed him and he didn't say no. That was when he said, well, you know, I have a lot of reflecting to do and, and I'll have a timeline shortly or however he phrased it. And I, I looked around. I go, oh, my God, he didn't deflect. Like, maybe he is real. Maybe this is really a a, a real thing, because for a while, it almost felt like it got memed into existence.
0: Well, but, but the problem is, is once he didn't deny it, it clearly became one of two things. Either he's legitimately interested in and because he has so much love and respect for Providence, he didn't want it to be a situation where, I mean, you hear what Xavier fans say about Thad. And about Sean and about Chris, about how, you know, they initially said that they weren't going to leave and then they leave. I guess that didn't really happen with Chris, but certainly the, the first two, everyone was mad at them when they left because of, quote unquote, how they left. They said they were going to stay. They weren't interested. And then they ended up leaving. So I think that's what he was trying to avoid. Either that or he's now trying to get himself a raise from Providence. And so he wanted it to stay out there to put pressure on Providence. But either way like you said, I mean, it just created a very weird situation for his team while they were in the NCAA tournament. And now it's gone on. It's been going on for what, two weeks now where you've just had these questions floating out there and he hasn't really shot it down, which means he there's again, he, there's either a level of interest or he's trying to get a race.
1: Well, and and to again, this is where Ed being so honest with the media and, and such a an open book with what he always says is that he doesn't want to say no in case he leaves. And then you have a Thad Mata situation on your hand. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't want to say no, 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 no. I'm staying. I'm staying. I'm staying. And then all of a sudden he decides to leave. So maybe he's not leaving, but he just doesn't want to say no in case he does leave, which. Okay. He's honest and open and fair. That's respectable. But at the same time, it's just tough to be answering those questions the way that he is when the guys are still playing. And then immediately after the game to go back and say, you know, I have a lot of reflecting to do. And I truly do think we are at a point now because he did get a raise last year. He had a new contract last year. So now we're at a point with with this whole situation where he might be down to deciding, do I just want to leave or do I want to stay? Like – Georgetown either has already or will offer him a contract. Providence has already said that they will either, I guess, up his deal from last year or offer him a new contract, whatever it is, to make sure he's taken care of. And now, you know, we'll find out tomorrow. He said it was tomorrow.
0: Well, we'll find out tomorrow. You know, that's a good point about the part about is he trying to get a raise? Because Jeff Goodman was talking about it the other night. He said – that Providence is already paying Ed around $4 million a year. I'm not sure how much more Providence can really afford to pay a coach. And at a certain point, if you know they're they're maxing out paying you over $4 million, which is more than fair for a, a team at Providence's level, if you're Ed Cooley, it, it's not really about the money then. You're looking for a reason to leave if you're raking them over the coals for another raise after you just got one. So, I mean, you're. it might be more about him actually being interested in leaving than anything else. Now that I think about it.
1: Yeah. And his daughter, the whole storyline about his daughter is that's a moot point. Cause his daughter is a senior. So, you know, yeah, he's heard, not
0: going there to be, he's not going down there to be with her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I obviously there's the connection with, um, you know, with the Thompson family and everything going back a ways. It's not as direct, obviously as Patrick Ewing and everything, but I mean, I, does he leave? I don't know, but, I think he would be a good hire. It would just be such a bizarre situation to go from your hometown to be the guy in Providence, to be one of the most respected coaches in the league. Sure, he hasn't had a ton of postseason success, but to be there and and to um, be that kind of a guy at Providence, but then to flip in your own league and have to play that team twice a year.
0: Oh, man. Those Taylor Swift songs will be hitting different at the oh,
1: amp. you're telling me, Rick. I mean, good lord, he's gonna have to go back to Providence every year. That's that is that, that's a tough decision. And so now it just I think and from everything I've read, it's just gonna boil down to does he wanna stay or does he wanna leave?
0: So All right. Southern Muskie, anything else to get in there with? No, I'll let you guys go on. Thanks so much,
9: guys. We'll talk again here soon. All
0: right, All right appreciate All right. it. Paul, I know you have to go. You've got other things you need to do. You've been traveling all day. You've got to be exhausted. (laughs) Is there any other Xavier callers you feel like we need to get to here that have been waiting forever or you just want to call it or where are you at? I didn't
1: really have anything else. I'm sure we will be spacing and doing. Let's do a midweek space maybe on. I don't know what. I don't know what my travel day is. Maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, maybe
0: like Tuesday. Yeah,
1: maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. We can do one.
0: Um, Maybe we'll get a guest on for one of those.
1: Yeah, I don't know what day I'm traveling yet, whether it's Wednesday or Thursday. I don't know if I'm driving or flying. I got no idea what's going on this week. But uh, I will be out there. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Should be a good time. Never been to Kansas City, so should be a good time. But, uh, no, I don't I – don't. i don't, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else from the day. I just – it's just really – you, you could tell the emotion of everybody. And, and I asked one of the guys, I think it was Jack, I asked after the game um, the other day in the press conference, you know, how, how good does it feel to get a win on – and and get a win under your belt and then move forward you know after friday afternoon where you you finally get a win in the ncaa tournament it kind of feels like that DePaul game and isn't that exactly what happened right you get that under your belt and then you come back and, and you win a convincing game and sure it got a little dicey at the end but uh credit to them and now it's all house money from here and you roll a dice and go play one of the best teams in the country and man, maybe get it done, go to the Elite Eight, 40 minutes from a Final Four. All
0: right. I think all that's right. a good place to leave it. Paul, thank you for joining in here and helping out on the technical side of things since we were having so many issues. I know it's been a really long day for you, but you, yes. you kind of helped save this thing. Otherwise, it would have been a real problem. And all of you guys who chimed in, listened in, I mean, we still have over 100 people in this thing right now. So appreciate you guys staying up late with us. Like Paul said, we'll be back maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on his travel schedule with another live show. Maybe we'll get a guest in for that as well. And uh, there'll be plenty more content to come on musketeerreport.com. We have a 50% off sale going for a few more, uh, I, I believe, till through to tomorrow night. So uh, make sure you get that in in the next 24 hours. Sign up, retweet it if you don't mind. I'd really appreciate it. And also, Paul, you have another episode of the Rebound Rundown coming out tomorrow morning, and you'll be doing it throughout this week, right?
6: I will.
1: I'm going to – yes, so – uh, I'm going to go ahead and volunteer you for that. You'll be on here this week, Rick. I'm going to try to get Adam on. I don't know his travel schedule either, but I'll get the two of you on. And then I'm also going to do my best to get somebody from Texas on as well. Um, maybe a national guy. I'm going to. I'll see if maybe Fanta. I know Fanta's busy, but um, we got four big episodes to do this week. And uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be a very fun show throughout the week. So
0: it'll be good. All right, well, something terrible betting-wise just happened in this Gonzaga game based I just on... I saw
1: that, and I, I wondered if anybody was on that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is, but uh, something bad happened, so we'll we'll leave it oh, there, you, but... you weren't watching? Well, I, I have it on my TV, but I'm paying attention to you guys because I'm just so locked in, and I care oh. so much about these uh post-games. I looked up
1: right at the end. The TCU rolled the ball into half court, down six, with uh, seven-tenths of a second left, picked it up, chucked it up, and it went in. I don't know what the line was or anything about it, but oh, it well,
0: that be had to have covered yeah. it. So, had, all right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's it right there, Paul, thank you for all your help. Xavier Absolutely. fans, thank you guys for uh, checking in and we will see you on the message boards and later in the week with another show.